0: 2017,
1: three men joined together in a pact to see what they could collectively do to advance civilization, further the cause of world peace, and elevate mankind. These three men were internationally renowned musician and Linkin Park multi-instrumentalist Dave Phoenix Farrell, multiple PGA Tour champion and world-class golfer Brendan Steele,
0: and Mark. They named themselves The Members... Those who they chose to sit with and ponder the mysteries of the universe, they named the guests. What you're about to listen to is one of those
1: historic conversations. Welcome to the Member Guest Podcast. Welcome to Member Guest.
0: What's up, guys? A new location for us today. We're in our L.A. home office of uh, the Member Guest Podcast. With me today, as always, Mark and Brendan. Boys, what's happening? I, I'm
2: just so jacked on that intro music. I mean, that is just
0: <laughs> who on made point. That, who made that, by the way? That's a great call. That is amazing. We might we might at some point get into that, I would imagine. Today's guest, and I do have a little prepared statement on this, mm. And it's lengthy, so buckle up. Today's guest is a creative juggernaut. <laughs> He's a singer, a rapper. Wait, what
1: was that beginning part? Say that first line again?
0: Today's guest is a dipshit. <laughs> That's, the start. That's the beginning that we're really looking for. Today's guest is a creative juggernaut. He's a singer, a rapper, a songwriter, multi-instrumentalist for Linkin Park. He's a film scorer. A record producer, a visual fine artist, and a graffiti artist, and a celebrity tattoo designer. <laughs> nice. Did you get the last one? <laughs> celebrity tattoo designer. That's yours. Me. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He has won Grammys, AMAs, Billboard Awards, MTV Moonmen, Snow Globes, Euro Globes, Echoes, Antler Trophies, Medallions, and Medals. And Dave's Heart. We'll get to that. <laughs> Additionally, he's received the Japanese American National Museum's Award of Excellence, the East-West Players Visionary Award, and an honorary doctorate of humane letters from Pasadena's Art Center College of Design. Most recently, he's received the Lifetime Achievement Award for Camaraderie, it's an award recognizing excellence in friendship and bestowed upon him by the Lord Phoenix Farrell Foundation. <laughs> you didn't know that
1: one. <laughs> I didn't even know that. that. That just happened, didn't it? These are the things that got you suspended from Wikipedia, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, people don't even... Uh, we, we,
0: have, we have so much to talk about. Today, <laughs> we warmly welcome Mr. Mike Shinoda. Thank you. Like welcome, you. Mike. Hi. It's so great to have you here. Mark and I were talking just yesterday. The thing we were discussing was I'm coming back to the band from The Snacks. That's a band that me and Mark were playing in. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows The Snacks. Yeah. You don't need to preface that. Thank you, Brendan. It's 2000. We have played music prior to that. But at this stage, I'm returning back into the fold of Linkin Park. I've had about a year absence what if any would be a deal breaker as far as whether i could be coming back into the band
3: like if dave demanded he always has to have
0: no pants on when he plays like that's his stage <laughs> thing i only play nude and i wear crocs <laughs> deal breaker I, deal breaker oh man
1: it wouldn't be that far from what we were dealing with <laughs> while you were gone i mean like we I, so just to, to be clear like for any if anybody's you know Tuning in Doesn't know Dave was there From the very beginning And then At a certain point He said Well I made a commitment To go play with My other band We were like But we, we We're about to get A record deal Like we have big stuff Going on Like what's What's the snacks doing And it's like We're playing Like church parking lots <laughs> Literally
0: yeah. We, we were melting Kids faces like. <laughs> At one point We were playing The stage was The back of like a big rig truck complete with (laughs) suspension. And so what we didn't realize when we started playing the stage was if we were to jump around or move, the whole truck bed would move because it had suspension. And then our drums started falling over. (laughs) (laughs) Those those are the type of stages
3: me and Mark were playing. A little known fact, I actually was the lead singer for your band Mm -hmm. for one show you that is true when dave was not the bass player oh wait you he wasn't there that day you weren't officially back in the roster yeah. it was Drake, <laughs>
0: Drake stadium at ucla stadium how show. many our people our it, show. how many people are in that stadium uh there were six of us in the band and then there was four of us in the snacks and then there might have been two other people <laughs> They were like, having a marathon like a or like a 10K or something. Yeah. So they had like all these
1: little celebratory things for people who had finished their run. And we were the entertainment. Like, yay, you're, you're coming back from your run. Congratulations. And meanwhile, we were just playing our music, screaming at people. Basically, <laughs> they're like, yeah, I finished my run. Why is that guy yelling? <laughs> yeah, it was a really good show.
0: Zero snacks. Zero yeah. snacks.
1: Every couple days I was I was bugging Rob and Brad like, Did you reach out to Dave? Is Dave coming
0: back yet? You didn't hear from him? You gotta reach out again. At this point <laughs> I'm like back living with my mom. I remember the phone call from Brad that was like, We need to know because we're kinda of struggling and we need to figure out one way or the other which direction we're gonna move mm. and PS like, come back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you you, so got,
0: you the, have to the, come back. At that point I could have been like, I'm ready. However, my script. new thing is that I play naked with Crocs on. Is that okay? And Brad would have been like, Yeah, you're in. Sure. That's fine. Yep. <laughs> whatever, you, whatever you need to do. I don't know what a deal breaker would have been. Even underwear and Crocs, you'd be all right. Lindsay and I always talk about deal breakers. I think I may have accidentally started it years ago where I was, I'd be like, If I was three feet tall hmm. but still the same person, would you have married me? Like, you know, all the, like, whatever. No. And then her current thing is like, If you drove around and you had, like, a bunch of stuffed animals in your back, like, (laughs) that that back of your car, yeah, she's like, that probably would have been a deal breaker, wouldn't have married you.
2: (laughs) I remember the story where Lindsay likes to tell the OzFest story. She comes out on the road with you, and and she's like, I don't think I can do this. And at the time, Dave's like, "Uh, if this is what this is, I don't think I can do this either.
0: Oh, yeah. That's back right to, like, that same time period, like 2001 or two though.
1: Was uh, was uh, Black Sabbath headlining?
0: Yeah, I think that was the first year that they were actually doing a they Black Sabbath
1: on Ozfest.
0: And Manson, Manson, Manson was playing. Yep, and Slipknot and Crazy Town. <laughs> and I only, so I only say that. So, because, wait, but that's part of my story, though. Okay. That's part of my story.
1: <laughs> they had put Crazy Town and Papa Roach and Lincoln Park on the bill, and it was the first time they had done like what was in quotes like rap metal or new metal. And the metal magazines thought that was controversial and so they started asking Sharon Osbourne about it in the interviews leading up to the opening of the tour. So the tour hadn't started yet. And they interview her and she was basically like, yeah, I hate those bands. Like we're only putting them on there for the girls and we didn't even start the tour yet like we hadn't even we hadn't even played one show on this tour and now we were already screwed like all the Marilyn Manson fans and Slipknot fans came to boo us and they showed up from day 1 like they all showed up to give us a hard time and we played through it and the worst part was that we played like right after Crazy Town and they those those fans hated Crazy Town um, <laughs> Butterfly was their big single. I and mean, It was just like those guys with their shirts off winking at girls.
2: So my wife went to that Ozfest, <sighs> the most anti Ozfest wife that you could ever imagine. All right. Hates all the music that I love and everything. She goes to that Ozfest only to see Crazy Talent. <laughs> <laughs> and then leaves before Lincoln Park plays oh, and just great. just rails out. So <laughs> she'll
1: so absolutely rich. love the so story. So the first
3: time I met Anastasia, does she, she have any documentation of that? Like, can she send us a picture that we can post of her? Oh, here's what I want to know. At I, the crazy this is what I want to
1: know. What does she look like? like what, was she, what was her hair like? What was she wearing? To that show. To that show. That's uh, what we need to find out. I mean, she would
2: not have fit in in any way. She really? really so she wasn't in
1: dressing the part. No, not at all. That tour was insane. And we did, we were miserable from the moment we left LA to go join up or wherever we were. We were playing great shows. We were doing our part. Our fans were avid. They were so pumped to be there. But like having a hard time getting any respect from any of the other bands, we had to work so hard to convince
0: them. We've talked about it a little bit on the podcast, <laughs> but the funny thing to me about that is people want to look back at. hybrid theory years or even the meteora years Mm -hmm. and and think that it was this magical time that everything (laughs) was critically acclaimed and well-received there's almost this it was all just straight
1: up like we just went from nobody to like the
0: biggest band and and granted not everybody not everybody loves hybrid theory and meteora Mm. but if you go on like a metal site now they'd be like fuck these guys like after Meteora, they suck well, like, P.S. on your own metal site during Meteor and Hybrid Theory, we also sucked. <laughs>
1: like, now it's a legendary album and everything right, else sucks. Right. But back
0: then it was the only album and it sucks. It also still sucks. We like, we, <laughs> we've always sucked. We've always we're, sucked, yeah, basically. Always I mean, sucked. I always
1: liked what we were doing, but.
0: Me as well. They, I've, always, yeah. I've always been partial to our music that we've been creating, <laughs> but, but we've always been getting. Criticize, so yeah. it's not a new thing we release one more light and it's not a new thing that somebody's upset about something
1: yeah. there was a time when i was like man i really like these types of artists and they are all playing on these festivals and we're playing on not those festivals we're playing on the rock metal festivals not because that's our ideal what we want to be doing but that's like where our music has been fitting in and whatever. And I was, think, I was saying like, I wish we could go play these other shows. I, I went to one of those shows and they had two nights and one of them was like the more like little more rock leaning one. And the other one was the very alternative one. And I went to the alternative one and I watched those bands and I realized I like their music, but I'm pretty sure that if I hung out on a tour with these groups for like two months, I'd hate them all. (laughs) (laughs) I just realized, oh, there's like literally no difference. Like I can be on OzFest for two months and at the end of it go like that was a grind and we got beat up and whatever. And then I can also be on the other tour, which I had kind of idealized in my head and realized there are people whose music I love and they're awesome. There are people whose music I love and they're jerks. And there are people whose music I hate and they're actually great.
0: And I end up being great friends with them. We just celebrated another birthday, Mike. Me and you both. Happy birthday. Yes,
1: yes. They always line up with the Grammys, too. I always, Every time I see the Grammys on the calendar, I'm like, oh, yeah, my birthday is close. In golf, is there a Grammy equivalent? Absolutely. I was going to say no. No,
0: there definitely is. What's, what? what's golf's biggest night? Golf's biggest night? The champion's dinner? At- no, no, no. <laughs> well, yes, yes. That's, that, you're on the right track.
1: Champion's dinner Where? Uh, At the Masters, yes, the Masters. Okay, so you know that I'm not like a, a big golf fan, so I'm very unfamiliar. It's really, fu- it's always funny for me to talk to Dave's friends who are like serious about golf or pro golfers, and I am a tourist. I know what the Masters, are. the Champions Dinner, is like. Do they show that on TV? Is that super no, that's private? Like, is... Yeah, it's super private. So yeah. you have
2: to have won the Masters or be the chairman of Augusta oh, wow. National in order to go. The defending champion picks the meal. So wow. he has total control over what everybody eats and drinks and whatever for the night. And it's probably the coolest thing you could be a part of. Now, that being said, we could come up with our own call for awards to give at the end of the season. <laughs> and basically,
0: they would be yeah. like the Grammys. Right. Well, which sounds good. pretty awesome. Maybe we edit this out, but this is like a circle of trust. <laughs> the Grammys is an awesome thing in music in the sense that it elevates the artists and it it's a great thing for me as a fan to get to watch a ton of different musicians, you know, at the, at the top of their game in different genres, all play in one spot. Mm. Having said that, being a part of the Grammys, you realize pretty quickly that the Grammys is about selling advertising. You it's know, it's a this, business. It's a business. Yeah. And so it's not going to f- make you feel like a sense of warm fuzzies for having accomplished something, mm. which makes sense because if, if you wanted to do that, if you really wanted to honor, Musicians, mm-hmm. you wouldn't televise it. Like, you wouldn't make it into this big spectacle. You'd just say, like, we want to honor you for what you've achieved as far as creativity goes mm-hmm. in this past year. Yeah. And, there, nobody- and
1: there are events that do that, like the BMI yeah. Awards and ASCAP and the. Even to some extent, like the billboards and those, while those are still like a show that is like designed to make money, the winners are based on some kind of like very precise metric. Like you have sold this many records or the fans voted and they voted for you. You can't muck around with those winners, those numbers. Right. But the Grammys aren't that. The Grammys are just politicking and backdoor voting. If we ever really wanted to win more Grammys, we basically need to switch managers and just join CAA or William Morris cuz they're the two biggest management agencies with hundreds of employees. Those people are all voting members, and they all vote for you. So automatically you get all hundreds of votes that you wouldn't have otherwise gotten and you win. So anyway, that's the politics of it. But that's not the that's not defining. Like it, it is I I do believe that their intention is to have a big celebration of music. Yeah. And make money to fund all of their great programs. They do have a bunch of great programs. For sure. Uh, There was a controversy recently about the uh, president of the Grammys because they had some flack for not representing more women. Obviously tons of women in the music industry. And then you watch the show and they're basically, it's all men. It's like honoring all men and the nominees and then like a woman. And then the performers are totally all men. And it was like to the extent that they have the Kesha performance and it's like one performance with multiple women jammed into three minutes and then, okay, get them off the stage and now more men. So, you know, they ask Neil about that. He's tired. He's done a hundred interviews and he makes a comment about like the women just need, you know, hopefully they step up and we see more women next year. And he kind of put it back on them, which was a mistake. And (laughs) everybody freaked out and they called for his resignation. They got all mad at him, whatever. I'm actually getting somewhere with this. It's not just about the Grammy and the thing, but he actually runs the whole organization. It's not just the Grammys. It runs all these different things. He's an advocate for like artists' rights with the U.S. government. So he's actually doing all these wonderful things that we kind of don't know and kind of forget about. Does it feel like when something happens on the internet, like, the internet kind of will glom onto like one little moment or like one little thing somebody says and turn this you know molehill into a mountain and freak out and all of a sudden everybody's really upset it's like front page news like oh my god this yeah. is like a big deal yeah but
0: for sure it's that culture of of outrage that, that sucks yeah I feel it, like
3: it's a bigger deal but it doesn't last as long you know what I
0: mean well, there's a, always
1: something new. something goes over top but, of it yeah.
0: right. is it a bigger deal or is it just that. If you want to tune in to the people who are yelling about something, and I mean yelling obviously in an online sense, then you all have caps, caps, caps <laughs> typing. Yeah, all caps <laughs> typing. And, and to bring it back to one of our mutual friends, Jason Sobel, who's a golf writer, I told him years ago, whenever he writes a Tiger Woods article, I love to look at the comment section <sighs> because people get crazy. And this is a golf writer writing about arguably the greatest golfer of all time, mm-hmm. and then you look at the comment section. it makes me feel so much better about any comment section that you know we 're ever <laughs> involved with as Lincoln Park. <laughs> but people are so angry mm-hmm. in that, and then I realize like, is it that they are that upset, or is this just a place to vent for those people who are like Tiger Woods is in every article you ever write. Like, how about some of the new guys who are out on tour? Like, why don't oh another Tiger Woods article? Like, screw you. Like blah, blah. Then some of them are like, Tiger's a piece of shit. And then some of them are like, Tiger's the best thing that's ever happened to golf. Like blah blah blah. You know, it's it's yeah, yeah. even if yeah. you don't know golf, if you know the internet, you know exactly what that is. Yeah. And the same thing with the Grammys, like Neil's a piece of shit! Like, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, if you know anything, then Neil saves music. And then, like, you know, it's like everybody's, and it's not even everybody, but it's that angry 10% that just, like, Uh, wants to share in the comment section. You think it's
1: 10%?
0: Maybe 1%. You think
2: it's probably 1%? You think it's smaller? Yeah. I I can tell you
0: this I am 100% certain about this that it's 0% of my friends.
1: That That's that true. is a deal breaker, right? It, yes. If you found out that a friend of yours who's like like a medium level friend,
0: right? <laughs> a, like not high I've level. Got, I, I've got a great yeah story. So famous.
1: like you you're you're like you see them uh, at, at dropping off the kids at school. You've gone to dinner before, like you said. You've been in like like little hangs and parties at somebody else's house, and they're there, and you talk and you hang out, and they're nice and it's great. And then you find out that like. You go on somebody else, like some relative's Facebook, and you see that they're just there. Blah, 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 let me tell you about that. Like, here's why you're stupid,
0: right? That's like, don't talk to them anymore. So I won't even go down the path of who it is or how I know them, but (laughs) a a loose acquaintance. A loose acquaintance that told me, yeah, I go on and I, I comment on these blogs and blah, 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 and my name is the keyboard terrorist. And I just light people up and this, this, and as he's saying this, I'm like, yeah, this doesn't work for me. <laughs>
4: like,
0: not that it was a friend of mine or ever even was going to be, it was just like a, it's like, think, this doesn't work. Even if it was like a high level friend, wouldn't you kind of be
2: like, oh man, I can't believe they did that. Like that is, it's making me rethink all of the decisions that I've made in this friendship. For sure. Yeah. One of my coaches, Chris Mason, has this pretty good Instagram following, and he posts swings all the time. So the other day, he's like, "Can I take a picture of your grip? Because I have a very strange grip. Got this full, like, homemade swing, not PGA Tour swing, whatever. And he's like, "Can I post like why this works and like Mm -hmm. how this makes sense? And like, I I posted one that was the opposite a couple weeks ago, and I thought it'd be interesting. And I was like, "Yeah, post away. This will be an awesome way for people to tell me why I suck so much. It's just perfect. (laughs) So like. it doesn't matter anything from swing mechanics to, uh, I mean, if forget it if you make, like, a triple bogey on a hole or something. Uh-huh. It's just, like, people lighting you up on Twitter. They're all, and then now with, like, DraftKings and all that stuff, you know, uh-huh. it's like, I picked you this week. And you sucked. <laughs> <laughs> and... and- I, my $2 bet is now toast because of you. And normally it's like, it's way worse. It's like, fuck you, you piece of shit. You know, I'm just like, whoa, guys. Like, a lot of the time it's like play by play too. So it'll be like, you'll see it where it's like at the start of the round, I got off to a bad start. So the guy's really mad. And then I finished up and he's like, go get him tomorrow. Oh my God. Keep me in this thing. And you're just like, you guys do realize that I am trying, right? And if, if you put me, if you put me on your team, like, I'm doing everything I can for you because it's also everything I can for me and my family. You've got a lot more
3: on the line than they do. I'm sorry about your $2, but I just (laughs) lost a lot more than that.
2: Yeah, right. I'm not sure if I have a job next year.
3: Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) But obviously, the better you do, the more criticism you get.
2: Yeah. So when I first got on tour and stuff, it wasn't nobody ever talked to me or talked about me. Nobody cared. And then now, like, the better I play, the more is expected, you know, when you finish... 29th at Torrey Pines people are like you suck that's terrible I thought you liked playing in California you're from California you should be better than that
1: you know what's so funny though like and I feel like I got I've got a pretty good handle on like how the internet works I feel like I got a good sense of it (laughs) the funniest part about that whole thing which I mean I just I get great joy out of it whether or not I exercise this power but if you go on and you respond hey thanks for the tip they're scared shitless. They're just yeah. like... I mean, like the moment that somebody acknowledges, Hey, you didn't just speak into the void. You spoke to a human being. Yeah. And I heard you. And yeah. they go, Oh, man, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I did... I mean, I, you're so great. I had a situation just this past week where... um God, what did the kids say? Oh, we were having this whole thing. So I released some new music. I put up the new music, and then I had uh, announced two shows in Japan. Um, but they're part of the same festival. So all the fans went, "Wait a minute, you're going to play some some shows?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'll play. Some, I'm going to go play some shows." And they were like, "Well, you need to come here." I went out of my way to kind of explain the dynamic of like, you know, it's one thing for a Lincoln Park show to get set up where the promoters can have a really good sense of like what the draw is and where we should play and how big the venue should be and whatever. Me on my own, like it's guesswork, like they, they have no idea. So I explained that to them. I started to see that they were really active, like making up their own hashtags and all getting like motivated to kind of prove that I should come to their city Uh, prove it to the promoters and the agents and whoever i sent we started sending them to this website called we demand because it'll aggregate the numbers and 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 assign it to the city that they're from okay so like oh now all of a sudden surprise surprise like melbourne is number one like we haven't been to melbourne forever because i didn't know we had that big a fan base there anymore and they're currently number one so that was like a big deal well in the midst of all that positivity and all that great effort being put put on by thousands of fans like going to bat for me which felt so good and like there are those people who want to go on and just rain on the parade this person was on there and he basically his thing was so this is like all about the money then <laughs> it's like not about i was just like i don't even know where you're coming from if you're just trying to make me feel bad you're you're not even good at that like you're not even doing a good job and i could see that other people were starting to like kind of like respond to him and whatever Again, like I just had this feeling like okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to let him know why that's ridiculous. And so I responded to it. My response was basically, well, this is how promoters gauge, you know, the shows. And so they're basing basing it on demand and if they think they're going to sell a show for 5,000 people and it's only 1,000, then we all lose. I lose, they lose, and you lose as a fan because it it ruins my ability to go tour some more. That's number 1. Number 2, um, there are costs associated with touring, so you know, if I'm going to make a hundred dollars from the show, but my production costs are two hundred dollars, and I can't play. And number three, don't sass me. <laughs> that was my number three, and he deleted the tweet immediately. <laughs> like,
0: I feel like sometimes people want to treat musicians or or being a musician as if it's like church. Okay, it's not a it's not a nonprofit in the first oh, place. Oh, right. Yeah. Like, I'm not going on tour for you. Like this is kind of my, this is my job. Like, this It's yeah. what I do. Like, well, I've who's,
1: got- we talked about like, who's the most artistic artist you can think of, whether that's, whether that's Bjork or Tom York or it's Arcade Fire or it's, um, uh, who is the other one? We were, uh, Diane Ward, like it's a craziness art project, right? In all of those cases, they want to make, the money they deserve from the shows that they're playing. Otherwise they'd just go do it for free. And none of them are doing it for free. They're all selling merchandise and doing the thing. Like it's because it's a living and, and it puts and it allows them to feed their families and have a nice life in that term, but also to make better art around the corner. Sure. Like it funds well puts money into you, the business and then you make cooler stuff when you've got that money in the bank.
0: Years ago, I think I mean I don't think it was your idea originally, but you might've been the first person I heard it from where it was like this notion of like, you vote with your, with your wallet. Yeah. Like, and when it comes to creativity, when it comes to art, when it comes to you know, music Mm -hmm. encapsulated in that, if you like something and you want more of it to be produced from a public standpoint, you need to support that in some way Mm -hmm. or else logically like that artist, whoever it is, whatever they're doing, whether it's music, art, fine art, whatever, they're not going to be in place to be able to continue doing it. Mm -hmm. And so you do, you vote like with your checkbook or you vote with your wallet. We have the best job in the world. Maybe second best might be professional golfer, but I I would say that professional musician, whatever that means, is probably the best job in the world. That's definitely number one above golf. Yeah. (laughs) Golf's a tough job. Everybody has this idea that like a rock star would be the best job. And in a lot of cases, like, yeah, it is. If you can get the job, you should do it. Because it's a great <laughs> it's a great job. It's, Having, like, it's, it's like that's that line from Ferris
1: Bueller. If you do have the means. If you do have the I, means. <laughs> I highly suggest I, it. it. It is so choice. <laughs> so choice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is very, very true. Yeah. Having said that, if you it's gonna cost us money to go do a show in Melbourne and PS, we have to be away from our wives and kids and everything else for weeks and weeks and months and months at a time. No, we're mm. not going to do it. Mm. Like it, it's just not possible at that point. There's a there's I mean a- if you that's because that's because you're an old man. And for sure. <laughs> if you were I just had another birthday. If you were
1: a 17-year-old who didn't who had never
0: been outside the country, you'd be like, I'll go do that show for free because that's a free vacation. Well, if you're a 17-year-old, you wouldn't understand that that show for free, quote-unquote, is actually going to cost you money. And then yeah. that 17-year-old wouldn't be able to afford the Qantas airfare to fly to Melbourne in the like first place, like let alone... stuck there. Yeah, they wouldn't even be able to get there. They'd, they'd drive to LAX and then be like, oh, wait, I've got to buy my own plane ticket to go play this free show? Like, oh... The end of the show. Like it, it's not even going to happen.
4: <laughs> oh, that's great.
0: So birthday celebrations,
1: anything? Oh, I didn't do much for my birthdays here. year. Um, just kind of hung out with the family. I ate way too much good food and posted way too much of it on my social media, which when other people do it, I'm just like, why are you always posting pictures of food? And then I was that guy. So sorry. But the big gift this year was I got a PlayStation VR, and I literally put that thing on... And I think four hours later, I took it off. And my wife was like, you were in that thing for so long. Like, Welcome back. And it was a time warp. At least the first moment of, of checking it out is like such a cool experience. I remember going to Facebook and getting an Oculus demo. And then the morning that I woke up to go down there, I realized I had pink eye again. How many times have you had pink eye in your adult life? A thousand times. You know, welcome to the world. I of kids. almost, I almost, I, I thought I almost had pink eye again this week. In fact, oh, I kid no. you not. Like one of my kids had goo coming out of her eye with the red and whatever. Oh, and by the way, this is actually this is crazy. <laughs> total weird. Side note: the the pediatrician said, "Is there is it red?" I said, "Yeah." Is there goo coming out of it? I said, "A little." Is there a fever? No. Is there cold symptoms? No. And they said, "Okay, well the doctor's currently." prescribing is a caffeinated tea bag like wet it and put it on the eye four times today four minutes at a time and let us know if it got any better and i'm like okay it sounds like you're just like trying to like buy yourself some time because you can't get the doctor on the phone but whatever (laughs) and i kid you not like i she did it and by the end of the day it went away
3: mike i've spent
1: Thousands of hours <laughs> of my
3: life observing you. That sounds weird, but that's been my job. That's very...
1: I mean, it's very true. Thousands. Extremely creepy.
3: You rub your eyes all the time. Maybe that's why you're getting pink eye. Dude. You also pick your butt. <laughs> pick
0: my butt and rub my <laughs> you eyes. You just do that.
1: You also pick my butt. <laughs> I, need, I need to get on the...
0: Uh, I need to not rub my eyes, and I need to get on the, uh, the Purell. The birthday pink eye. I feel like Mike... Me and you kind of run in the same vein as far as our birthdays go. Like they're going to usually be pretty. They're going to be fun but yeah. understated. Like mine, a couple of buddies and we went and played like foot golf this year for my birthday, and it was just like you know, A couple
2: it. buddies. That was a big group. Well, I mean, I mean the group was you took twenty a of
1: us. Was it? 20? <laughs> that was a big group that you was, took. A, you put the picture on Instagram. Was, the point being that
3: that's a small party for your for birthday, Dave birthday. I
1: mean, it was like it was like. <laughs> Fifteen guys and fifteen yeah. girls. And that's, back, that was hey, that's his super low
2: key this super year. We're low just key. not really inviting. We ruining his story.
1: Well, right he
3: now. didn't invite any medium friends,
0: <laughs> especially <laughs> found any out medium they're... friends with comedy. Nobody got pink eye. Like it was pretty okay. Wait, wait,
1: wait, what's, what's the point, though? The we, point we, being, we
0: totally derailed. Have you. I told you guys that <laughs> this last year's uh, Lindsay's Vegas birthday party? I mean, the birthday she, celebration because she birthdays for a month. Yeah, it's not a birthday; it's a birth month. It's a lot of stress and pressure on me. So. May of last year, it's Lindsay's birthday month. Leading up to it, Lindsay's like, I want to go to a rave. Well, the closest thing I we can do to a rave is potentially Marshmallow spinning and performing at whatever club it was he was at in Vegas. And some of our mutual friends from of Mice and Men, Phil, uh, he knows Marshmallow, who's playing in, in Vegas. So I'm like, all right, let's see if we can make this happen. We show up there they've arranged for us to have like a special VIP table right by where Marshmallow is like mixing at this point. It's like 11 o'clock at night, maybe midnight. I don't even remember, but I'm done. I'm tired. I'm not a late night guy in the first place. Admittedly, Lindsay and her girlfriend go dance and another friend sees a buddy. So he's gone. And I'm the only one sitting at this couch. It's like a VIP couch (laughs) in this area. And it's just me. And the club's not, it's not like completely packed yet. Fast forward an hour or so. I'm still kind of by myself, and there's a ton of people now behind me that are separated by this little, tiny, silly barrier, and they're so excited, and Marshmallow has started, and I'm super uncomfortable because there's no one else in my little zone. So I'm like, this is kind of weird. I'm starting to feel a a little bit of anxiety. I don't really know what to do. P.S. I'm like 40. Everybody around me is 25 tops what the fuck am I doing
3: here? You're guarding like $5,000 worth of alcohol. Uh, $5,000,
0: AKA like $150. Yeah, street value. (laughs) Street 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 value, value. $89. Club (laughs) value versus street value. We had had a couple drinks off the two bottles we had had and I've noticed that the vodka, which is like a massive thing, is completely gone. So I'm looking and uh, a guy from the group who's next to us now, and it's now packed in the VIP section where we're sitting, he's... Goes to grab our handle of whiskey <laughs> Wait, that's left. What's, how old is this guy? What's he look describe like? describe him, yeah. He looks like he, do you know Jer- Jersey Shore? Okay. <laughs> I'm
2: familiar with the program. He's
0: 25 tops. He's like club mode. He's good looking. He's tan, jacked. Jacked and tan. His clothes are like GTL. dry cleaned. DTL? DTF? G- <laughs> He's DTL. GTL. Jim Tan Laundry. Jim Tan Laundry. He's probably more or less 50 pounds heavier than I am. And probably like 6'2". He grabs the whiskey. I see it. And I go over there and I smack his hand. (laughs) I smack his hand away as if I'm dealing with a five-year-old. Oh And the words... And I'm in full-on, full-on dad mode. The The words come out of my mouth. That is not your alcohol. <laughs> That's what I say. I smack his hand and I say, that is not your alcohol. And he looks at me and he's like, oh, okay, haha, like whatever. I looked him in the eye and I said, no. <laughs> it short-circuited his brain as to what was happening. And he just looked at me and he's like, uh, I'm sorry. Like, oh. Nice. And, and like, just slowly, like this slow motion movement, like started like handing me the, the jug back. So like, okay, I put it down and then I realized after the fact of what I was doing and how much of a maniac I was, I don't know whether I should be proud of myself or kind of embarrassed. <laughs> I'm like, eh, I don't know how that went. Maybe 15 minutes later, we're all kind of like, all right, the show's kind of wrapping up. I think we're kind of done. And I went up to the guy and I was like, Hey man, we're taking off. Like you can have the rest of the bottle of wow. whiskey. And in his face, it was like he had just won the lottery. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so good. You went from, I'm going to give you a timeout to, you get a cookie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it- that happens every night at my house. <laughs> right around
1: 7 o'clock. He didn't punch you in the face. So he gets
0: the rest of the alcohol <laughs> yeah. when you're done with it. He reacted accordingly. Yeah, like, he, he did properly. the
1: responsible thing.
0: I feel like there's a combination for him, uh-huh. to his credit of like, <clears throat> embarrassment going on with like I'm, I'm kind of being scolded. Mm-hmm. at the same time, it was also like, who is this gray beard That's <laughs> that's like scolding me at the marshmallow show and like <laughs> of all the gifts I've given. That was that the was, one. That was the one that was best received. That was the greatest <laughs> gift.
1: There was more joy. Oh, Mark! Yeah. If this was a different show, that'd be the moment to add the like, um, the canned um, applause and laughter, like the I laugh track. Because <laughs> <laughs> we did that. Do you remember the Fury show? Yes, if you're a That's show, one of my favorite things. We ever. had this time when we were on the road where I, I mean, I'm just like in, inherently like I need to be making stuff. Like, I, if and I can't make a song, I'll just make other crap. At one point, I was trying to learn how to edit stuff on my computer, import little videos and put them together. And I decided to make a a show out of footage of Mark. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I just started like shooting. Isn't that right? Then, like, what was it about? Well,
3: I was. Making a show about you guys, so you're making a show about me making a show about you. The guys. show is about
1: you putting up with me and Joe sabotaging you. Pretty it's much the Mark Fiore show, but the but the real it was charm. heavy heavy on laugh track. The charm was he could do just about anything. Like he'd be filming something, and one of us would sabotage it by like back then, like it was. If you put a middle finger up in the screen, then that footage was no good anymore. He'd have to edit around it. So constantly we'd be in the middle of like an interview or doing whatever and somebody would just stick a finger up in or put something inappropriate on the screen in front of his camera would be like, damn it. And Mark is pissed and then the laugh track would
0: happen. <laughs> it
1: was so great. Knowing <laughs>
2: Mark as well as I do, he, he probably appreciates it now. And at the moment, it was just like, oh, my God, what am I going to do with this? I've got to make it perfect, and now it's not perfect. This is ridiculous. That's part of Mark's charm, though, is like whenever Mark makes me a drink, like a cocktail. Oh, God, yeah. It's like a 30-minute process, and (laughs) I appreciate that about him because it will be the best cocktail that you've ever had because he's like, okay, the lime has to go like this, and then the— Did
1: you notice my coffee? I said—you remember when I—did you hear me when I left here, and I was like— just a coffee. He's like, do you want a cappuccino? I was like, just a coffee. He made me a latte, like a perfect latte with the foam and the, everything.
2: And yeah. He wasn't letting you get away with just a coffee. No, that's no, not That's how not happened, his style. Mm-mm. We have a, 10 minutes or so. Just
1: See, go. and even now he's producing the show. People don't know that Member Guest is actually Mark's show. He's doing all the work. It now goes now, under the radar.
0: Now they know. Now they know.
1: Not when I edit this whole
0: section. <laughs> <laughs> not when he works the section out. Oh, you man. you had mentioned Mike the need to create mm. like that need to always be creating content. ABC, or, what's ABC? I just
1: I just made that up. Always, always be, creating. Creating. A, a, be creating. Always always B B C, C creating.
0: Always like, be creating. Yeah. Can we edit in cheerleaders doing that? Okay. Yeah. <sighs> do you feel like you've always been that way? Is that something that's natural for you, or do you feel at some point it might have been a learned process? And to give a little bit of color to those who might not know. You are creatively different than most people I've come in contact with. Mm. I've come in contact with a lot of creatives. My ideas get less good until I recharge. Like I, I have a couple ideas. I have a couple thoughts and then I need to regroup. Whereas Mm. yours always seem to be a little more exponential in how you work. Like I, one idea leads to two. And then mm. those two ideas branch into four more ideas. And then you stop those four ideas for music. And then you go create when it comes to art. And then that's the same branch happens. And then you come back to your music. And then those four lead to eight. It's ideas. like an echo chamber or something. Like it's like it, it, it feeds on itself, you know?
1: There have to- been times when I wished I was more um, untethered in a sense of like um, being freely creative and not having to fit it in a box that I could be wildly creative and weirder mm-hmm. and just let things flow. But the way it works for me is it's like a left brain, right brain thing. So like, you know, your 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 right brain is said to be the more creative side. Your left brain is the more organized. And for some people, they're very right brainy. They just make and make and make and then it like whatever it fits into, then that fits into. And for me, it's always... I think the other side of my, the logical end is always like engaging and keeping things um, organized in a way. So as I'm making something, I'll be thinking of the next step. Like what's the next thing I can do with it or how to make it better or how does it connect to something else that I'm already making? And part of that is actually having... Uh, getting older and having like like responsibilities and kids and stuff like that you know you're sharing your time you're splitting your time up amongst like your work stuff and your in my case like writing music or making art or whatever and then i want to have enough time at the end of the day to go like spend time with the kids tuck the kids in or um do the stuff at the schools or go on one of their field trips they always have parent chaperones like i, I like to do that right so i gotta be efficient I, my challenge is usually to try and um keep it on track and and like organized enough that it makes whatever the one thing i'm doing under the umbrella of like so right now i'm doing like a solo a solo project and i want everything if i'm working on music or anything like art related i want it to lift that up and at the same time like do something for the band and do something for my friends and the, and not only in the band, but in our, in our support team, the people in our office and our touring uh, uh, crew that's been with us and stuff like in the situation that we're in, I think that those things, um, there's a lot of uncertainty and people are looking to say like, well, what, what comes next? Like what happens tomorrow? And anything that we can, any, any of us can do to, to, throw some support beams underneath it helps. So like for me to just emote in a song and put it out there and say, Hey, this is like how I feel and to put visuals to that, that supports that, that doesn't just help me out. It actually does other things too. And I work those things kind of out in real time as I'm like making them. Yeah. It's like part of the art of it and the the lifestyle slash like culture of it. I think. That's weird. That was a very weird answer. <laughs> Talk about a little where uh, post-traumatic fits into that. Because that's oh. been the, the latest. So I started writing songs a little over, it would be a little over six months ago now. I was basically just, in a sense, just chronicling what I was feeling on the day. Like we talked about this a lot um, after Chester passed away, there were certain things we were scared to do. We had to get together with all the guys a week or two after. And David said, like, have you guys, like, listened to any of our music? And everyone was like, no. <laughs> and he's like, I did. And we, we were, that blew my mind. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, how did you even do that? And, and he said, it wasn't as bad as you'd think. Like, it's super scary to do. But then I did it. And now I know that I can do it. And I've talked to other people, too, who, you know, they've lost someone and they are scared to, I mean, here's a really specific example. Uh, They're scared to work out because they used to work out together all the time. And every time they go into the gym now, they're like, that's the first thing they think of. They think of it before they, as they're even putting on any workout clothes. So then they don't put on the workout clothes and they don't don't go work out. And, And that's, that's a thing that is, I mean, that's, everybody has that, right? So for me, it was like, I love writing music and I love painting. And if I don't just jump in and do them right away, then I'm going to probably have this buildup of like anxiety that'll be pretty tough to deal with. So I'd rather just like face it and go for it. And that's what I did. And I just started writing stuff. It ended up being a whole bunch of songs. I put out three of them and um, didn't do any inter This is, for the record, this is the first interview that I've done. So Not, not an interview. We don't call this an interview. I'm just saying. So... But then I've, yes. not, I've yet to do and an interview. Yes, then. thank you. I've, I mean, I've yet to do an interview. Then there's been no like promotion or marketing or any of that stuff. It's just put the stuff out and let everything be me and you, me and whoever's listening, and it'll change over time. Like I want to get back to the place where things are resemble a little bit of like what we're used to or what I'm used to. But at this point, I, I'm happy
0: to like get there gradually. Post traumatic. Those songs, like, they express so well what not only you're feeling, but mm. also I'm feeling. Mm, and cool. I know that I immediately, I know I've told you this, and yeah. I, and, but I immediately, like, gravitated towards that. For me, it's automatically so special mm. because it sits in a, in a realm in my soul and in who I am and in my life. It sits in such a special spot to express something that I can't express necessarily myself. And I feel like a lot of fans and a lot of other people who aren't even necessarily fans but might have experienced those similar type of feelings or that type of loss, they can relate to that in a way. And and for me, that's the purest form of creative expression. This is really special and important and meaningful to anyone who has felt this type of loss. Mm. And for anybody who hasn't, I'm almost, I'm happy that they can't relate to it. (laughs) Right. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I'm like, and that would almost be like my, my feeling or message towards what you've done or created there is like, mm-hmm. if you know what this is, then you know what it is. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, then, then I, hope, I hope you never do. Then, then thank goodness. <laughs> like, because, yeah. because I, I hope you never no We totally understand what's going on there. Yeah.
1: I went over to the label to Warner brothers a couple of times now to talk about it and to make some plans about what to do next there are those of us who were near the, the epicenter, right, who get hit the hardest, and then it it's a gradient. It's a, it's a, there's a gradation out to the effect of it, and they sit, the folks that like the label and stuff like that, they sit in the middle somewhere where, like, I saw Peter, I saw Devin, I saw a lot of folks that have been with us for over 10 years, some of them like 15 years, um, and some of them since the very beginning, and the questions, what I so funny is like the questions that they have are the same questions everybody has. And I, and my, my, um, part of the, the, the experience of doing, of being out here for, for us and like talking about it mm-hmm. and making songs about it and doing, doing whatever is it's almost like art in action, like art come to life, right? Like there's a weird blur now, between the art you create and just life and and it's exacerbated by the connectivity of social media and and you know just being able to turn on a live camera like if i'm i could be as you imagine in your mind like i'm it could be having the worst possible day like i wake up and i'm just like devastated and i turn i can turn on instagram live and just talk to people about it parents our age and older than us Oftentimes we'll say, oh, well, you know, social media is so bad because their kids aren't like talking to each other. They're disconnected and there's all these negatives. Right. But truth be told, like the one of the positives, that's a that's a huge one that they can't we can't forget is that that ability to like connect people on that level. So easily and so with such a wide net is very powerful. And I'm in the middle of I'm experiencing it like every time I go online, if I if I feel good and I post I'm having a good day, the kinds of responses that I get back range from like, cool, man, me too. To like one day I did that and somebody and a bunch of people said like I was having a really bad day. And this actually, and for similar reasons to why, you know, what we've been talking about, just knowing you're doing okay makes me feel better. I think that's powerful. I, I, and I feel like I read that. time. I'm on the receiving end of that sometimes too. I don't have, there's no like moral to the story. There's no like yeah. end
0: point to it because it's all ongoing and it's just, you know, Chester was a wonderful friend of ours and a huge part of our life for the last 20-ish years. And you said something to me in dealing with that loss that really stuck with me where you said, we have an opportunity to go through this and figure out how to do it positively and also to, to kind of lead other people through that process who are also hurting. That to me was kind of a, like a, like a rallying cry. Mm. You know, it, it was kind of a, a real opportunity to, I don't know, to like to, to relate in a different way to see something that's really hard and come out on the other end, mm-hmm. you know, and we have to figure out how to move forward, you yeah. know, and we have to figure out what our lives look like both yeah. as a family first, you know, our yeah. own individual units and then as a family second, like mm-hmm. as a band and we have to figure out what, what does tomorrow look like? Right. You know,
1: I guess I'm, I guess I'm coming from a point of view of like, I've, I've heard from enough people who don't have that kind of that's not their paradigm where they their the option exists to give up you Mm -hmm. know what i mean Mm -hmm. like like what you just said rings through with like yeah obviously i wouldn't like quit i mean or whatever like what about my family or what about whatever right like and there are some people are not in that situation and the tough a tough thing to be thrust into this position or whatever it is this isn't the club i ever aspired to become a, a member of right sure some people think of being a musician or being a rock star as being like you know throwing the rules out the window and being like um having saying no to authority and you know and even in some cases when we were like younger like live fast die young you know like just the idea of getting old like they're not, they don't want to have, they don't want to get old. Right. You know, and that's never been me or they or they want to be famous and rich and have a hot wife and whatever. And
0: all of none
1: of those things that I just mentioned have ever been my
0: thing. They don't want to be slapping hands at the Marshmallow show.
1: <laughs> I love our band and our guys. And I love the folks that are part of our circle of friends and that we've worked with. We didn't. That's not accidental, right? Sure. Like our, our priorities are this other thing. It's more to me, more grounded, more about like things that I want to be about. I don't know. I mean, we were talking about what to do next and why I do spend time like trying to figure out that path and it's a work in progress. I know people would love to have like a a definitive statement from any of us saying like, this is what we're going to do. Right. And it would be easy to do. Like I could totally lie right now and say, this is what's going to happen in six months, 12 months, 18 months. You know, obviously this is like one of the most complex things you can imagine. Like I'm not trying to like make any false promises
0: on this. On a lighter note, I noticed that with Post Traumatic, with the first song, your guest star in the video is a bass. (laughs) Are you aware of that? (laughs) Um, I like to
1: think that that's a nod. Okay, Dave, I swear this is not—I'm not just saying this to, like, placate or whatever— I didn't intend when I was shooting it to do that, but I did think it was hilarious <laughs> that you found a way to do a, okay, like a, like a photo, fo- like basically photobomb my first visual. You found a way to photobomb it.
0: Mark's joke in teasing me is that in any Linkin Park video, there's two shots of Dave. One is somewhat of me in a quick shot. The other is like a shot of the base. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of in your video. The only way that I think that I would be... I said, there's
3: just one less shot of you in this video than
0: normal.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, Mark, the only thing that would make it more perfect would be if the base was able to blink through the shot, <laughs> like at, like not have its eyes open, because that's his superpower. Is to, have, my eyes to closed. have his eyes closed in every photo we take.
0: That's going deep. I'm just saying. the like fans That's, don't know that. They, they don't, don't know, know that.
1: They just see the photo
0: <laughs> in the magazine. Yeah. They don't know that for in, that photo, there were yeah. 35 I, photos of you with your eyes closed. <laughs> this is going really deep, but we actually have had a band poster where my eyes were shut in the photo that was taken, and then they superimposed open eyes onto my <laughs> closed eyes. <That's> a true <laughs> story. And then it's blown up to, like, a wall-sized poster. True story. Yeah, true story. That so, was what meteora? you've done... Meteora?
1: That wasn't a hybrid theory kind of move. That wasn't the new band. New band can't say, hey, Photoshop the eyes. But like Meteora band can say Photoshop Photoshop the eyes.
0: (laughs) Crazy, uncomfortable, googly eyes onto the closed eyes guy. And then make it a poster. So it's like huge. It's not like printed really small on like a magazine or promo shot. It's like a huge wall-sized poster of me with Photoshop eyes on it.
1: I thought it came out good. I couldn't tell it was Photoshopped.
2: Your eyes look really pretty at that
1: poster. <laughs> Handsome eyes. Better than usual.
0: Mike, I don't know if you know this. You came as a guest. Mm-hmm. Today you're gonna leave as a member. Yes. You are always invited back. Am I your member? You you're kind of my member. You know that. You always have that. You're such a member. You're you're kinda my member. <laughs> you're kind of my penis. <laughs> there I said it. <laughs> See, that's funny because member can be taken to mean penis. (laughs) Right. That's why that's funny. I don't know what guest can mean, but you came as a guest. You exit as a member. Um, It's customary here for us to ask if you have any final words. My final words. This was fun. This was fun.
1: and And when you first said you were going to do a podcast and you didn't invite me to first season, I knew that. We had to really bring it because it was going to be, you know, we have to take it up a level when
0: I finally show up. And I think we did that. We brought the A game. (laughs) Uh, And then lastly, I know where we can follow you, but for anybody listening, where can they follow Mm -hmm. you on socials?
1: Um, I'm usually Mike Shinoda on everything. Um, You know, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Um, Snapchat is Mike Shinoda Live. And of course, if you want to check out the new music, you want to check out the videos?
0: It's three right now. Three songs, three videos. Uh, go to mikeshinoda.com You can check all that stuff out. Didn't you just recently put yourself up on like a Russian? That was just today. Yes. Yeah. VK. I'm on <laughs> VK now. I'm
1: on. Uh, I don't think I'm online yet for Japan, but I'll be. It'll. That's coming.
0: Weird, right? I'm gonna have to like build those from zero. I remember guests as Russian fans, Japanese fans. Oh yeah, for sure, international. Global. Um, Oh, and
1: by the way, this is a this on the last. If Somebody's listened this far, then they're probably willing to jump from here to go vote for a show in their area for sure. Um, WeDemand.com has is where you can sign up and say I want Mike to come play a show here, and that is actually like the you know everybody's taking on at least on our team is taking that very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we're, we're trying to find ways to get out to, uh, gosh, it's like M- Moscow. It's yeah. Ka- there's like, there's a, there's some city in Kazakhstan that I don't even, I've never, I didn't, I had to look it up. I didn't even know it, where that was, but it's working. Like people are actually saying like, we want to come to this places and our agents are like, okay, like, how do we get Mike over to Kazakhstan? I so, guess
2: so. Just a super simple tour, like Melbourne to Moscow to Kazakhstan, and then yeah. home. And then There's home. three shows. Yeah, three I shows. Think, I think I have cost to hit, efficient I think and I have Klesa. to get um,
1: Sao Paulo on the way home too.
2: Of course. Well, that's right on the way to it's LA on the way. I yeah. mean, it's basically. Who, well,
1: they say while you're in the
2: air. Who yeah. is
0: your bass player on this tour? And maybe more importantly, who's your videographer? Um, we'll talk about that When the,
4: <laughs> <laughs> when the recording stops
0: <laughs> After Mark presses spacebar Spacebar, stop Boys, may Your drives fly straight May your guitars stay tuned Now and forever
1: Adios, Adios. Thanks Mike Cheers
2: thank you, thank you. <laughs> Thanks Mike